hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode number 84 and if you'd like to listen to our previous episodes you can find them on animationforadults.com, you'll find them on Apple Podcasts, you'll find them on Stitcher and you'll find them on podcast.com. And recently we've been uh, going through a bit of a cycle of the crew members and stuff. And I'm Chris and I'm this week I'm joined by Dan. Hello Dan. Hello Chris. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I am pretty good, yes. So today we are going to be mainly talking about Naoko Yamada's Silent Voice, which is an animated feature from uh, Kyoto Animation that was released by Anime Limited in cinemas and is now available to rent digitally via Amazon and iTunes and uh, Google Play and all those places in the UK. Uh, and will be coming to cinemas in the United States via uh, Eleven Arts in October. Uh, so we're a bit ahead of that with our review. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that later. But before that, it's time to get into some of the latest animation news. Although we're kind of starting with some not animation news uh, because uh, we now we know that <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki is making a new animated feature, and we've known this for a while. Uh, but apparently a bunch of sites only just found this out in the past week or so and started reporting it as if it was news. Um, and there was a bunch of stories going around like Studio Ghibli reopens or Hayao Miyazaki comes out of, out of retirement, uh, which wasn't really news. Uh, but I ended up uh, writing up a post because um, I saw lots of misinformation going around because... Uh, they're all saying that it's borrow the caterpillar. Yeah, there's there's been, there's just been a lot of like lazy, I mean, just lazy bad journalism. People not checking sources and yeah, it, people it, it leading people to believe that for some reason it's that his 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 uh his new feature is going to be based on a short film that he was He's already uh, working on. Yeah. <laughs> which seems like it'd be a weird thing to do. And it was, I think some places are even like saying, oh, it's going to be his first CG movie because it's a CG animated. Mm. Uh, and I, I heard one report on a podcast, actually. I'm not going to name it because it's a good podcast, it's, but they got, you know, everything wrong because <laughs> they were saying it's Borrow the Caterpillar and they're saying, oh, and he's moving into CG, which is amazing because he described CG as an insult to life itself, which is oh, a right. misquote, okay. a misquote uh, based on that video where he was reacting to, like, an AI. It was it's AI, like wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, a tech demo. And he wasn't saying CG is an insult to life himself. It was that specific demo that he didn't like. Yeah, he, he said that it, um, it, it creeped him out... Um, or rather he found it morally questionable because it reminded him of um, a disabled friend of his who mm. who you know he said like struggles to even like high five nowadays so uh, yeah he just thought that it was insensitive why is he trying to make his friend high five all the time I don't get it um, <laughs> he's the guy alone. yeah hey high five and he's like no hey oh Go away! <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Yeah. 
So, uh, we found out that there was a documentary back in November in Japan called The Man Who's Not Done, or Never Ending Man, is also known as, and we discovered that Hayao Miyazaki was not satisfied making an animated short uh, only, and he wanted to do a new feature, and he'd come up with an idea. Um, and uh, some people got their wires crossed and thought they were saying that he um, wasn't satisfied with Boro just being a short and he wanted to do a movie of that obviously mm. to, be, not... to be fair it's not like there was like a clear cut press release from Ghibli they were no. being quiet about it and coy which is probably why certain outlets probably haven't like announced it until like this week when I think um, it was it was like the production was officially underway because they've started they've started um, staffing up for it basically mm-hmm. and um, but uh, Toshio Suzuki confirmed it uh, back in February and said that he was going to be a producer on it and um, he's also apparently said because Miyazaki said, oh, perhaps it'll be finished in 2019 so it can like, be released in time for the Tokyo, Tokyo Olympics. And uh, Toshio Suzuki said that was impossible, apparently. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Mm. Huh. In an in a, uh, interview in April, apparently. Uh, so the documentary itself is, 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 is quite funny because I think Miyazaki's like got like a notorious sort of dark sense of humour which <laughs> yeah. which uh, people might not be aware of or, or might be familiar with um, either way I think he said something in the documentary uh, pretty much the effect of I hope I die before I finish the storyboard <laughs> no or, or I hope I hope I finish the storyboard before I die <laughs> sorry yeah yeah um, there were there were the same interview I think that, that where Suzuki said that because uh, they reported on it on ANN and um, he Anime News Network and apparently uh, someone said something about oh will he finish it will he have will he manage to finish the film and Suzuki apparently said I don't know and there was another animator there and he said well if he did die during the film it'd make it a big hit or something so they seem to have yeah quite a dark sense of humour the whole bunch of them I guess uh, and basically no, not the title I mean the title or the storyline or anything hasn't actually been announced but Dan did see an article on a um, on a Spanish language website uh, that actually seemed to have a bit of a scoop on that is that not right? oh it is yeah sorry I thought you <laughs> sorry yes um yeah, um, Generación Ghibli, uh, a great uh, Ghibli, uh, a Spanish language Ghibli site, has like has has um, has reported that the 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 new film will be based on Irish children's literature, but it will be set in Japan. So basically, the same idea as relocating uh, Arietti or when Marnie was there to Japan kind of yep yep yeah. I think so yeah um, uh, this is personally like really interesting to me because I remember um, I think reading maybe in one of one of his books like Starting Point or Turning Point Miyazaki talking about 
his impressions reading um, uh, Joyce's The Dubliners or oh, sorry just Dubliners it's called um, uh, and how he felt like the kids like weren't weren't blessed or some, some something kind of you know a bit uh, heavy or something like to that effect uh, but yeah I I don't know it to be, to be honest if if he was if he said he was making a film about like you know the inner life of a tomato then I'd be there first day anyway so <laughs> Well, obviously, Miyazaki's inner life of a tomato would be worth watching. There uh, you go. Yeah. So yeah. So there, there's not a whole lot to report on there, but there, there is a little scoop there. So that's exciting. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I'll be keeping my eye on this. And but uh, but but I think the source. I'm pretty sure the source that Generation Ghibli got that that information from was the same one who kind of told me like some two years before the film's release that The Wind Rises was going to be about planes and World War 2 and uh, so it's probably I wouldn't be surprised if that did continue to be the case that it was somehow mm-hmm. based on like, Irish uh, children's literature but we'll see interesting uh, speaking of Irish things, um, but not literature in this case, uh, we're big fans of Cartoon Saloon around here, and Tom Moore, and he has been involved in a a new video that's come out to promote the European Animation Awards, which are happening for the first time this December, and they are known as the Emil Awards. Yeah. It's not so, immediately apparent why they're called the Emil Awards. No, it's just it's just a good name, I think. I, I, they're kind of influenced by the Annie Awards, I think. So they just thought. Oh, well, maybe it's an it's a, uh, anachronism. Is that is that the right word? Anachronism. Anachronism. Anachronism is different. Uh, um, I'm not even sure I'm getting it right, but it's not. An I don't know how to speak. One day I'll learn. Yeah, it's overrated. Um, yeah, but they are supposed to be the equivalent of the Annie Awards, but specifically for the European animation community. And they've opened for entries, and there's a little video uh, featuring an animated version of Tom Moore uh, inviting people to enter. And it is animated by basically staff from Cartoon Saloon taking turns to do an animated version of Tom, which is very cool, very creative, and. Uh, it's a charming little video, and you should check it out. Dan, have you seen it? I have, yeah. Yeah, it looks like fun. I animate your boss. <laughs> Seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so the awards are taking place December 8th in Lille in France. And uh, the entries for the all the different categories are open until September 15th. And... We'll put a link in the show notes uh, so you can check out uh, all the different categories that there are, which include things like Best Animated Short and Best Student Film, etc. Best Feature Film and Best Director. All the, all the standard um, categories, but also, like just like the Annie Awards, it's like looking out for the 
smaller roles like things like storyboarding and stuff like that which obviously doesn't get a look in in mainstream awards where everything is just lumped into animation so check that out uh, another new couple of news stories relating to good old G kids who are in the news once again what a surprise uh, because they've got another awesome animated film coming up and in September it is the Japanese feature called Napping Princess and this is a film from uh, the director Kenji Kamiyama who is best known as the director of Sta uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex the TV series and also Eden of the East and it was also known as Ancien and the Magic Tablet uh, and it is a fantasy uh, sci-fi uh, film uh, with a slightly strange premise uh, featuring a, a, um, a young girl who, who uh, keeps having naps and strange dreams but also uh, it's it's kind of seems to have a bit of a reminds me from what I've seen it reminds me a bit of um, Fooly Cooly a little bit because oh, yeah. there seems to be sort of um, strange sort of mechanical things and relating to people's bodies and stuff I might be cool might be I think that had I think that had a super limited UK release did it not this week it was on it was this week oh I missed it then on the 16th of uh, uh, August for one day only oh pants well apparently it's still playing in Hatfield and Pattons, Panton Street in London yeah, that's the weird thing about these one day only releases. They often are not really one day only. Uh, uh, but G Kids are releasing it um, in September in New York and LA, and it will then open wider after that. And it Great. is being released with a new dub version, uh, which is directed by Stephanie Shea and Michael. Sinton class, I think that's how you say his name. Apologies if I got it wrong. Uh, who have basically directed a bunch of uh, English language versions of foreign animation recently. Because not only anime, they also were involved with a dub of um, My Life as a Zucchini, I believe. So. Oh, okay. So they they do a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that was one of the best dubs I've heard in a long time. And I really want to see the uh, the British release version so that I can hear mm. the same dub, but them saying courgette. <laughs> so there we go. Um, and one other G-Kids related story. Uh, last week we reported on G-Kids picking up the film Big Bad Fox and Other Tales, uh, which is a super cute French animated movie um, from one of the directors of Ernest and Celestine and that is being released in the winter uh, but we now know it's going to be premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival in September where it will be showing alongside the world premiere of The Breadwinner so there's a, at least two awesome animated films to catch if you're going to Toronto this year it's awesome 
and we don't have the date yet because they haven't released the ticket uh, the um, screening dates yet they are coming out on August 22nd uh, so probably by the time you, you hear this uh, you'll be able to check them out mm, I'll be keeping an eye out if that's if that's coming to London as well hopefully I'm hopeful because it's Studio Canal uh, yes exactly that's exactly the same reason I'm hopeful for it because the same well not the same thing but um, Ernest, Ernest and Celestine mm-hmm. uh, had a good release I think because of that connection and also I think I think like Studio Canal and uh, have, have worked with G-Kids before like because they've released G-Kids produced dubs of some of the um, their films so right so that, and we don't have a date yet for the wide the wide uh, US release of that but we will let you know when we do and I think that is all the news let me just check yeah that's the news so <laughs> can we keep that we've got to keep that <laughs> well now I have to obviously <laughs> Oh, and also, it looks like your name uh, is having an IMAX oh, screening yeah, that's this, this week. upcoming week. Yeah, which I might check that out. I wonder what that's like. It's it's a first, I believe, for anime in the UK. Yeah, seeing, seeing seeing that 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 shooting star in IMAX. There we go. It's not a first globally, I don't think, because I pretty sure no. Dragon Ball Z the, the last two movies were shown in IMAX so but cool but yeah so that would be from Anime Limited and by the time you hear this that may have happened but they are also doing like regular screenings as well additional regular screenings and I they also like in the past week uh, announced the the US uh, home release of your name as well is in November. So great. The UK one maybe thereabouts as well, because I know there's been a lot of uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of um, moving around on that date because of holdbacks from the Japanese, basically. <laughs> because, right. Because it came back. It came out in like November, didn't it, in the cinemas in the UK? It did, yeah. I think it was one of those. I, I think the thing is that the problem is is that like Japanese extended cinema runs are less rare mm. uh, than they are for us. So like apparently um, in this corner of the world is like possibly still in cinemas mm-hmm. in Japan in some places because it just has that big of a draw. Uh, so I think yeah maybe the your name thing was something to do with that like they had planned okay yeah global release date is this mm-hmm. but oh hang on people are still coming out for it in in Japanese cinema so yeah maybe that was the pushback that's basically what it is I think <laughs> mm. and uh, I, a similar thing has happened I think with uh, with uh, the film that we're about to talk about a Silent Voice I think uh, that's got quite a delayed. Uh, home release but it's available to rent digitally uh, in the UK via all the usual places like mm-hmm. and and buy digitally as well oh yeah yeah 
It's weird though, because it was it was available like a couple of months ago and then it disappeared again. <laughs> it was. I think there might. Yeah. I think there might have been a um, a uh, miscommunication somewhere because it was available in like April, I think, which is yeah, like really soon after the after the cinema release. It was. It was like yeah, it was like a it's like a month after. And then it disappeared suddenly. <laughs> It was like, oh, we mm-hmm. can talk about it. Oh, no, wait, it's gone. <laughs> and it was released again in July. So I was able to watch it, which is awesome. You saw it at the cinema. I saw it at the cinema. I did. I saw it back in whenever its release was, I guess, I think March or mm-hmm. February. Yeah. Or even April, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it was. Um, I saw it then, and I saw it again uh, today, mm-hmm. actually. I saw, I saw it this afternoon. Um I'm glad I saw it again. I think it's it's uh it benefited for me watching it again because it does have a uh I, I think it is quite densely plotted. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that happens and it's not all told in order, so um yeah, like the the story makes uh, like perfect sense to me now. Awesome. We we've got a little bit of an elephant in the room here in the fact we haven't had a film we've discussed before where we've had a, a review that's been published on the site that uh, has proved fairly contentious with some people uh, because uh, when it came out in cinema uh, Mark one of our writers wrote out a review of it and it was not a positive review it would be fair to say um, no. he gave it two stars and did a bit of a a tear down on it and was not impressed and had various issues with it and you know this provokes some reactions from some people online who decided to leave comments that were lovely um oh really yeah um, some people don't really take to take well to people having different opinions to them even on films they haven't seen but they've already decided that they, <laughs> they, that they love um it's it, yeah. It's like it's 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 like maybe maybe um, yeah. Film fans take a few too many leaves from sports fans' books, <laughs> and and think like they have to cheer for a team when they might not have even seen how they played. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's a strange thing. But I I mean personally, I think that the fact that it's proven divisive. With uh, with Mark, who wrote the review, mm-hmm. um, makes it uh, a more interesting film from the start uh, than one that everyone agrees on, um, because it is it it must therefore be somewhat unique. It's got some edges that poke out where you might not expect them to. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm. Um- yeah, so, so so what is the movie, Chris? A Silent Voice is a film uh, about a a a um a young man who um when he was in elementary school they say so I guess primary school to us in the UK, um uh he there was a, a deaf girl who joined the class and basically he was he was a bit of a little shit, and he he bullied her, and uh, he he encouraged others to bully her, and he was really not very nice to her, and uh, she ends up leaving, 
and um, but years later when he's in high school uh, he's basically he's been ostracized because uh, because of the those events stuff like people all think that he's a not a very nice person and he hasn't really got any friends uh, but he's also like tormented by what he did and uh, he decides to uh, basically try and find her and see if he can redeem himself I think is not before uh, like it, sh- it, it should it shouldn't be forgotten uh, a planned suicide attempt yeah I wasn't sure whether to mention that yet but yeah I, I think it's okay to make, I mean it happens literally pre yeah it's like so in the first I think it's yeah. I think yeah okay yeah no it, yeah we, we are going to try and avoid other spoilers yeah I think that one's fair uh, game yeah yeah, yeah. Anything pre pre credits, I think you're absolutely fine. <laughs> and those those credits uh, with the uh, interesting choice of music, my generation by the Who, which is unexpected. Yeah, it was completely unexpected. I I liked it. It it sure it sure be um, you know your your typical like J pop yeah. <laughs> that you'd have there usually. So, where'd start? <laughs> so I've seen the film already, yeah. Chris, and I think I've spoken before on the show about how I uh, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really exciting, unique uh, uh, film that showcased um, what an interesting director, director uh, Naoko Yamada. Um, has grown into uh, what What did you think I, I thought it was phenomenal I really did I was really I thought it was beautiful and it was from a technical point of view it's really astounding but also like the um, the plot and everything and the characters it's it's really bold <laughs> in the setup and everything um, having a a a bully is your lead character is is pretty um audacious yeah and yeah and like equally so like it's not the bullying isn't something they shy away from either it, he is definitely um a prick yeah. he's like really despicable he's a little and, shit <laughs> yeah and and like irredi- I, I think I'm just going to be saying like strong words mm. to that effect just because the film really does um uh, yeah, like present him as a as a as a, as a problem, uh, not just not just someone who's got like a bad streak. He is, you know, a selfish, self-involved, impulsive little brat. Uh, I guess that's probably one of the issues that some people have. They're like, oh, I can't, I can't sympathise with this guy, and you know, you can, you you can understand yeah. that, but. Not every film has to have like a, a lead that is pure and likable. I mean, lots of stories are about redemption or whatever, and you know he's not quite an anti-hero ever because it is about turning around or whatever. Um, but I can I can understand why people would feel like that. 
Yeah, I, I can too. It's it's certainly um, to use the to use a contemporary turn of phrase, it is possibly a very triggering mm-hmm. film. Um, if you are, um, uh, you know, if if uh, living with um, disabilities um, uh, is something that you have in your life, or if living with bullies is something you have in your life, or it 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 doesn't it really doesn't shy away from just how like visually you know how how brutal and um scarring mm-hmm. those those uh those experiences can be for people yeah it's it it's definitely quite <laughs> quite upfront about all that uh, but i also thought that there was it was also it was really honest i think as well about uh mm. i thought there was that there was like real truth in the um in in the bullying basically in and how it sort of seemed to me like that is kind of how kids are like because there's no real reason for him just to take against her you know he just so they'll kids will just suddenly decide oh he really pisses me off or something i really hate him and there's not ever really a reason it's just that's how they feel and they take against one kid or whatever and yeah and make their life yeah. hell, whatever. And there's, that's what it was kind of like in the film. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it hints at certain things which could be the the reason. But yeah, it, it's pretty objective and just and and it doesn't it doesn't give any clues really about yeah why why he does it. I mean, I think um uh uh. uh uh, what's what's he called? Shoyo Ishida, um, who's the protagonist. Um, I think he was is is hinted at very. Um, what's the word? Very very briefly, it's hinted at that he was a victim of uh, bullying. Oh, I don't think I picked up on that. I might be missing it. So. One of the strange things about this film is that it has a very, very unique, um, and this is part of why I like it so much, but why it's it's hard to tie it down. It kind of it kind of resists being. Uh, um, it, it kind of resists um, being able to be like held by the shoulders mm-hmm. and examined because it's cut. It's it's got a very like. Um, erratic like cutting style and there will be like flashback images or little glances here and there which will last for about 40 frames or something and then they'll be gone so it's not really something you can I mean thankfully it was subtitled so there was no chance in like being distracted and looking Mm -hmm. at my phone anyway but um, it's a film you really have to pay attention to because all these little things would be lost otherwise. Um, yeah, I thought he was a victim of um, bullying from the uh, the blonde-haired character oh, right. who, yeah. at the start of the film, he's sort of friends mm-hmm. with them. Well, when sorry, when he's uh, when he's in high um, elementary mm-hmm. school, 
um, he, he is friends with these kids, but I think it's hinted at that they kind of bullied him in the past. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's it 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 does resist being mm. clean about those things and saying, oh, well, he's motivated to do this to her because of this thing that happened to him in his like you know a deaf kid stole his yeah. brother's lunch <laughs> or something. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not interested in that kind of storytelling, and that's what I really just want to about it. Is those sort of realistic, the realistic messiness of life. I think there's sort of maybe a hint that there's a little bit of the throwing spitballs at the girl you like type thing as well to it, possibly. Right, because you know, is is between a a boy and a girl, so there's a bit. I think yeah, I think that's an unspoken theme in like a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, anime yeah. that I've that I've seen definitely, which is like this sort of yeah, complete obliviousness mm. to their own to their own feelings uh, for each other. And there's like there's his his friend at that time, the 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 other girl who is responsible for a lot as well. <laughs> She's yeah. the worst character yeah. in the film. She's she's a despicable person, mm-hmm. completely irredeemable, and 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 that's another thing which is like interesting about the film is that it's not interested in in redeeming everyone. It 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 it, it kind of raises the stakes a bit more. That was that it was kind of a shock to me because like when basically she turns around and it still <laughs> still sucks because it was like oh. People have changed. It's not. I, 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 I only. I really hate using this word, but she's a <laughs> bitch. Like, I'm sorry. I, I. That's reserved for bitches. That word, and she's a bitch. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh wait, no, no, she still sucks. <laughs> yeah. No. No. She's despicable. No. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. But um, there is some in that scene. There is some lovely, um. Uh, uh, leg acting animation, mm-hmm. which supposedly is uh, is a trademark of uh, Naoko Yamada. Kyoto, yeah, Kyoto Animation as a whole, their their animation is very beautiful, um, and this is a, a theatrical release, so it's got and there's like little details and stuff, and and like. Um, little movements and characters and stuff and you just that it's sometimes there are there are things that you go, I don't think I've seen that animated before. Like there's a the when you first meet meet our main character and he's uh, he's got a propeller like a propeller pencil and he's um he's he's pushed mm-hmm. it so that the um all the leads come out which is exactly the kind of thing like like a kid does when they're bored. That is such <laughs> Yeah. I think like yeah, there are lovely observations like that. Yeah, there's all sorts of things like that, and you're just like, I don't think I've seen that animated before. <laughs> mm. But but actually, so th- this is um, those th- th- those sorts of things could easily be um, quite mm-hmm. indulgent little um, observations, which like sort of brought to the forefront, and just sort of you know the director or the animators like showing off about. Hey, look at this thing that we observe that people do. But 
one of the one of I think the most remarkable things about the film is that it really is uh, through uh, Ishita's mm-hmm. eyes. There is a lot. All of those little um, moments, like him with the, with the propeller pencil, yeah. is from his actual point mm-hmm. of view, um, and all of the, all of the um, you could call them like anime tropes, like uh, little insert shots that sort of pace out scenes. You know the sorts of um, uh, when 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 uh, film. Uh, when film scholars and critics are talking about um, Ozu, uh, Yasujiro Ozu, the uh, like famed Japanese live-action director, they'll call his um, his his the he has his shots in between scenes and moments of just like clouds billowing and um, like trains mm. going by was another one of his favorite things. Um, and they've since like sort of like that was in the forties, and they've since like become uh, like a like part of the DNA of Japanese mm. cinema, really, and particularly anime, uh, which in the uh, like sixties and seventies like really developed this understanding of how to use stillness because it was really born out of a necessity of yeah. uh, budgets. But the really interesting thing about Silent Voice, I find, is that she has made these um, Yamada has like made these these shots relevant to the story because they are all um, about uh, Ishta uh, averting mm, his gaze yeah. looking down the whole time and there are, there is a lot of like you know um, like uh, uh, details of the pavement or, or his shoes or Things that are on the ground, flower pots and things like that, because he's a guy who is always looking down and and trying to. Uh, he has been pushed out of society, but he's also not trying to be involved in society mm-hmm. either. He 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 avoids eye contact with everyone, and then also the film like literally represents that with um, these sorts of. Uh, they actually look like paper pasted yeah, over characters' faces in the school, and it sort of represents people that are um, off mm-hmm. limits to him in his mind. People he doesn't talk to and won't talk to him. I think that might come directly from the manga. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that. I think. I mean, the film the film makes it work just, but it is probably the most mm. out there part of the film. Yeah, I, I I heard about that before I saw it, and I thought well, I'm not sure that's going to work, but it, I did think it did work in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you it, it, in actual fact it is um it's perfect visual mm. storytelling. It it's you know exactly what it means when you see it. Yeah, from how it makes you feel. And one of the other places where like the the detail and the animation is really amazing is. Actually, in the like sign language, with yeah, that's obviously a really important part. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming it's accurate <laughs> to you know Japanese sign language or whatever. Because I I would imagine it. I mean, I I I I get the impression that uh, Naoko Yamada is 
someone who does sweat mm-hmm. in small details. Um, she, I, I, I heard she was like, um, like so, so she, she actually, she's had a very long career despite being yeah. uh, quite young, really. Um, she, she was an animator for a few years um, before, but I actually, I, I personally began to notice her because of her work on okay. K-On! Um, for which she was the series director um, and she was really um, into like you know these small details that of things that she felt were being missed like the girls pulling up their tights every now and again or or the sound that their tights made when they pull them up and things like that these are all things that you mm. wouldn't really notice but but she is she's trying to create you know, as, as all filmmakers do, like a uh, a believable reality. Yeah, I think uh, the film is atmospheric, and I would probably say if you don't get into that, mm. then you won't. And and possibly um, Mark, who wrote the two star review of the film um, for for. Uh, the animation for adults site. Um, he 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 sort of talks about the, uh, you know the, these, the, what I see is the atmospheric parts of the film in sort of quite yeah. dismissive terms, like you know, you know uh, that kind of thing. Water running blurry, running down polished surfaces, fireworks blurry, and you know it's. It, if you if you don't dig that, then I think the film will struggle to get you. And I I, I got to say, actually, as much as I love the film, it is twenty minutes at least too long. It is pretty long, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, like two hours Eight minutes. and ten, ten, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I guess like it's quite hard now to not really discuss mm. the plot. <laughs> So um, I think I guess like now we'll probably say if you don't want the film spoiled for you at all, um, then uh, mm. skip ahead to to the water cooler section. Uh, but uh, for those who want to stay, I think we're probably going to end up inevitably talking a little bit more about uh, the characters and how they develop through the story and what they go mm-hmm. through. But we would say check it out if we work and obviously, like we said, other opinions may be out there. But we really like it. <laughs> I yeah, I really recommend it. I think it was. Um, I I so I saw this like a few months after watching um, uh, your name, and your name came with so much hype that I wasn't even sure if yeah. I liked it. Um, your and and I gotta say, like I guess your name is probably like it's like mm. Titanic. It's just you can't say you don't like it because it's huge. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. Um, but uh, a silent voice is, I think, a more daring film than your name uh, because it really examines, you know, some pretty unlikable aspects of human mm-hmm. nature. Um, so if that sounds like an interesting thing to you, then definitely check it out. 
Okay. So, skip ahead now. Skip. Skip <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. the end. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Uh, who was your favourite character, Chris? Oh, that's a... <laughs> I can't think of anything else to ask you. I'll, I'll say mine. I think mine was um, uh, Nishimiya's uh, little sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, I, when there was supposed to be a twist that she was the sister, I thought she was at first. I thought, that's a girl. <laughs> and then, he, and then yeah. he started um, saying that it was it was a boy. And I was like, oh, it, I thought it was a girl. And then... <laughs> They said, oh, I'm a girl, actually. I, oh, I, I knew that. <laughs> so that didn't surprise me. I think that's a, that's a good shout. <laughs> um, she's a, a good character, for sure. Um, yeah, the film is... I, I, I was shocked again, like, just how horrible uh, Ishida hmm. is at the start when he's uh, a primary school student because he doesn't exactly have I mean I, I think it's it's purposefully and I, 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 I'm not reading into this too much uh, or anything it's I think the I, I got the impression from the film that it was trying to make something out of his unconventional home mm-hmm. life um, as being um, not the cause, but some way like not even relevant, but like notable when considering his character. Because uh, is that his mum that he lives with, or is that it's his older his, sister? I was, I was confused, but it's his mum, I believe, because his older right. sister. The um, because when you jump to the older bit, there's a there's a little kid, and um, I was. First, I was thinking, is that a new little sister? But that she says she does say um, it's my oldest's um, little girl or something. And also, when someone says, "Is that oh, is that your kid?" Uh, Ishida says, right. "No, it's my my sister's kid." So the the little kid has been looked after by Shoya's mum. Uh, but I. I didn't like really think of it as a particularly unconventional family like by anime standards because so many anime are about I mean there's no there's no ob- obvious father around but there's so many anime where kids parents just aren't there because <laughs> it's just yeah. you know it's like a convention just because they need to have the characters do whatever they want and they, they yeah, can't have yeah, a parent exactly. around going no you have to get home for 10pm like no I have to go and save the world dad oh god you're so mean no they can't have that uh, but I didn't really interpret it as that weird she's just you know I just thought you know his mum's a bit, bit I didn't, I didn't interpret it <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it was I'm not saying for one second it was it was weird and therefore like unconventional and, and mm. bad and like a broken home or anything like that. It was just like there are a couple of flavors going on with the home, you know, the fact that he was essentially living above her yeah. shop and 
he had um you know um money was also presented as and this is the only part of the film I really didn't ever get I didn't I remember not getting it the first time I don't get it this time either he owes his mum money and after a suicide attempt she threatens to burn it <laughs> that, yeah to sort of play his bluff uh, to um, what's the word call his bluff um, which is a pretty uh, uh, cruel approach as, as it is I think and then after she clumsily burns it he apologizes she apologizes and he says yeah I'll earn the money back but then like, she says oh don't take too long it, you know don't don't hurry or something <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I don't. No. Get, it's not. Don't hurry. It, you shouldn't have been such a clumsy, so and so in the first place to not burn. And the also, cash. it was kind of the way she goes. Oh, why do you try and kill yourself? By the way, uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a. She just casually says it. Yeah, that, I, I, I just, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't fully uh, on board with her feelings. I think actually. And I, this is this is something that's like kind of problematic to like discuss because it's just an unknown. But I'm not sure if there isn't some sort of cultural custom around um, you know ideas of self preservation self-preservation and pride mm. and honour that that's kind of unsaid um, and is I mean I, there is there is a lot I mean towards the end of the film there's a lot of like begging as sorry like ultra bowing and like uh, kowtowing to to parents and other things like that and between the parents so I I'm not sure if if, if her approach is like some sort of like you know, a cultural it's, one, perhaps that might not be there's reading. There's definitely like major cultural elements in it, and I know there's yeah. like I know that suicide in Japan, you know, they're they're sort of a I know it's a big problem, and I, I yeah. know there's but there's you know like traditions and everything, you know, like the ritual suicide you know it's a it got cultural things going way back and and it it features so heavily right. it, that's yeah. that's kind of what yeah. i'm dancing around like, i don't want to i don't want to like i don't want to come out and say you know oh well you know the whole you know dying with mm. dying with honor is, is important like everyone in japan is still thinking like samurai i'm not no, saying well, that it's not but i'm the same the same way but still like shame no. or whatever no. is a cultural thing or was um, but the other thing is how, you having said about how much it's through his eyes it also makes mm-hmm. you wonder is there a bit of a sort of unreliable narrator type thing like is kind of is it him seeing the way that mm. she treats him Poss- it's, that's just Something that's just come into yeah, my head just now. <laughs> that's that, that that is that is possible. Yeah, uh, I, I, I yeah, I think that's probably 
that's probably possible. Apart from the fact that the film later has scenes mm. without yeah. him um, at uh, at um, at Shoko's uh, mm-hmm. home. Um, yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a really mm-hmm. dense film. I know, I know, I said that at the start, but there are, there are a lot of characters, and there's a lot. There's not a lot of plot. There aren't a lot of like grand re- mm. revelations or 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 movements in the plot, but a lot goes on, mm-hmm. really. Um, and I, I I really responded to the gradual uh, effects that that has on the characters and their relationships and how they see one another, and actually more importantly how they mm-hmm. see themselves. It's. Um, it's a real. Uh, it's 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 so it's so it's so great just to see a film with with that kind of ambition with its characters to try and tell the story of these complex these complex characters really. I also appreciated the fact that basically he didn't like uh, show up at hers and she's just like oh yeah come in <laughs> we're friends now. <laughs> I like the fact that you know it really took time. Them to them to have any sort of positive relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, he I think he tells himself that he tells himself um, that going to see her was Mm -hmm. a formality. So he's not really being honest with himself there, like what he's what he's up to. I mean, as some people, and and it's and what's what is interesting about the film is there this is there is like that element of not really knowing anyone's mm-hmm. intentions because he's called out later in the film by um, uh, the blonde head uh, character uh, I think it's called Oedo um, uh, you know you you saw her because you were mm-hmm. feeling guilty oh no I think he's oh no I think that's actually um, that's actually uh uh uh, Shoko's sister mm-hmm. who says that um, who, who says that to him and yeah there there is there is a, a, enough suggested throughout the film to keep you guessing like you know what's really going on here is this the guy who's actually good now is he actually trying to be good or is he just trying to wriggle his way back into society in what he sees as like his his rightful mm. do, you, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of um, ambiguity, and it's it's quite it's quite fun to to have the whole film play out and still be wondering that you know even quite close towards the end. Yeah, I I don't maybe it's just because it's you know it's because it's a film and they it has to have a an ending or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I guess I I kind of always felt like from from the like the second part of the film you know when he'd grown up I always felt like he was genuinely trying to make amends <laughs> I, uh, right yeah, oh yeah no yeah I, I did too but then there was also the thing going on that um, you know Ishida by that point by the time he's a I guess you call him a junior high school student is that right um, 
by the time he was a bit mm. older, basically, um, he was a very mm. damaged person who was deeply depressed and and uh, you know prone to these these thoughts that were you know genuinely self-loathing and the way that he moved through school you know with crosses on everyone else's face and looking down the whole time kind of reflected yeah, that that was uh, definitely the way I interpreted it as as like through depression or yeah. whatever because you know other people maybe will look at it through like more through the the physical disability or whatever or the deaf girl or whatever but I was looking at it through the depression angle and sort of through personal experience of knowing people with depression or whatever mm-hmm. it really you know it, it hit home and it yeah it really does it really does just just the just the level of disregard mm-hmm. that he shows himself is um yeah is like frankly can be it can be quite hard to watch at certain certain moments in the film, but that said, there is there is you know that the other character of Sho- the other also, character yeah. Shoko, um, all the way throughout, who has this um, this literally disabling factor mm. in her character that has led her to be somewhat of a prior and. And it was, I mean, you know, it, to to a certain extent, um, she, you know, she was such a novelty to them at primary school, and they were all kind mm. of horrible to her, but they put it on Ishida. No one, no, everyone remembers it as mm. Ishida bullied her not oh we could have been we all could have been mm-hmm. a bit nicer to her um but then the, like the film is putting you in all sorts of different directions because he's brutally yeah. horrible to her he rips her hearing yeah. aids out gives her a scar um you know and when I when I first saw the film that was almost mm-hmm. irredeemable to me yeah. Even though he was a kid, that was a really, really shocking thing to see. Um, what was seeming to be set yeah. up as the main character uh, to do? That was a really shocking thing for a main character to do, and that's why, you know, as I can understand someone going through the film and just thinking he's mm. irredeemable throughout, yeah. as Mark did, he wrote the review for the site. Um, but that's why I love the film so much because it's yeah. that daring to to go to go re, to mm-hmm. go all the way with it. Yeah, because you know a lot of people maybe little shits when they're younger. So. Hmm. Yeah. Was was there anything else about the film that that you wanted to uh, to to talk about to to bring up? What do you think about the the way at you know the disability is portrayed? Um, 
I think actually I was incredibly I I Ooh. found it incredibly moving whenever she yeah she spoke be- because um it was clearly a deaf girl they had got to to um to do the voice acting and that kind of authenticity i mean i don't think i've ever seen a deaf character in animation no. before um at least not one voiced by um by by a deaf person mm. um uh, yeah it's 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 a really tricky thing because the film is daring mm. with that again and it, it has the pr- and I think again, what I think Mark responded to, or 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 saw very lacking in the film, was the fact that she was a victim mm. uh, throughout. Really, the school had no idea how to induct her into the class, and it wasn't until she had a pretty rough time of it that they even considered bringing in someone to uh, to encourage the kids to. I mean, the school shouldn't have taken her on as it is. There's a bit, like, when she's reading, when she first joins the class, and the teacher, like, stifles a snigger. That's really... Old turn glasses, as they call him. Well, okay. (laughs) Yeah, he should be old turn glasses. Yeah, he is turn glasses. Yeah. Yeah, he stifles a snigger, and he sort of just... He gives up on her, actually, at that moment, which is, like, the worst thing a teacher can do. But he gives up on her, and he just sort of goes, well, there's someone else try yeah um, if anything I think the film represents but Mm. doesn't endorse the failures of society to to accommodate for and recognise people who are disabled I I, I think also it does it does um, but because of that it does also ride the, the very fine line between Mm. Her being a novelty, and I, and I, I, I do, I do think the film avoids that because it mm-hmm. clearly loves her so much to, you know, go so far to to really have real Japanese sign language um, in the film and to, you know, um, uh, to, she has mm. a voice actually, you know. Uh, as as well, so so there's that, but um, yeah, I th- I think that's probably where it could probably be divisive with mm-hmm. people. Certainly. Um, how did you feel? No, about I it? thought it was obviously the way people react to her, like that teacher and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of shocking, uh, and you do you do think again you're like you wonder how culturally true whatever it is you know but yeah I I think it is really well portrayed but obviously I would have to defer to someone with more experience you know it would be interesting for a deaf viewer or whatever to how they would react to it but I know Anime Limited had um, special screenings with uh, the hard of hearing subtitles so which is interesting so that's great that's that's really good to hear that's great to hear 
Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it's the same thing as anyone who is who is from um, uh, a, 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 a victimized a victimized person. Basically, you're not gonna get mm. you're not gonna get a consensus. You're probably gonna get some people who say, "Yes, that was my experience," and some people saying, "No, I've mm-hmm. never experienced anything like that," and this is a damaging thing to portray. I, I think it, those parts of the film for me mm-hmm. really are just honest, really, and and for a film that is about you know forgiving and uh, and all of those things, you kind of need those scenes where people you know behave in questionable ways. And I, I don't. I really don't want to bang on about the review. I'm not, I I don't want to um, like do a ten point takedown or whatever. But I want to ask you about one other thing. It it, it says mm-hmm. about um, he take, takes issues with the uh, basically the portrayal of the female characters as a whole. But I didn't think like that was specifically the female character saying you know that they were. He was saying they were all negatively portrayed or whatever. Um, but I, you know, I don't think that's uni- there's no. I think there's a pretty diverse and uh, so there's a pretty diverse um mm. range of personalities yeah. in the film, and you know, po- possibly it's the fact that it was directed by. Uh, by a woman, um, that, that 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 you know, she probably she she might have felt um, more comfortable with portraying negative aspects of female characters um, than a mm-hmm. than a than a male director would. Yeah, I just thought it was quite round, you know, um, showing all the negative aspects of all the characters or whatever, and some positive. Just you know, it was honest portrayal of high schoolers thought they yeah. really are warts and all yeah and, and I, I, I I gotta say maybe part of part of the uh, the divisiveness as well is the fact that you know it does look like a typical high school anime but they're all behaving you know like uh, yeah like Mike Lee characters they're quite they're quite you know mm-hmm. well rounded people um, who are warts and all, and you don't, you don't leave the film getting mm-hmm. to like all of them. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, I don't think that holds much water for me. The uh, the fact that it has anything against women, if anything, I think it's examining. Uh, What's the word? You know, yeah. a sort of male entitlement. You know, the fact that you know, even though he is severely depressed and on on the verge of suicide, that um, that issued a. You know, sees um, sees Shoko as a as a sort of as a as a as a as a goal as like a puzzle he needs to yeah. solve in some way. Um. If if anything, it's examining that 
the effect of like you know being entitled to to get to apologise to her. To be honest, she seems to be doing all right when when he comes up, but he seems to sort of bring back old memories. Yeah, yeah. I think actually she's probably the most unknown mm. character um, throughout the film, and and at the end she does. She, she I can't remember exactly what she apologizes for. Um, I think she sees. I, I, I think the problem is. I think. I, I think the unspoken part of her character is that she feels she sticks mm-hmm. out like a sore thumb. So she thinks that there's a lot of accommodating and bickering about how to accommodate her uh, into people's lives. You know, like she's mm-hmm. just a hassle for everyone. Um. And that's probably why she responds to the fact that Ishta uh, learned sign language in the way that she did. Like, not, oh, wow, mm. that's so amazing. More like, oh, right, I'm I'm sorry. Mm. And then almost like being angry at him for, once again, being someone who's accommodating for her. Uh, yeah, because, like, spoiler alert, like, at the end of the film... She is in such a low place that she mm-hmm. makes an attempt on her life. Um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, um, I did, it was. I wasn't sure if maybe it was a a step too far or whatever, but I, I, it, you know, it did. Mm-hmm. It did give a sort of dramatic, um, dramatic conclusion to everything. Um, and but also mm-hmm. it was, I I think it it was still messy, like the ending, because it you know it wasn't oh he saved her life ever you know, you know he injured himself trying to save her. It's it, everyone's redeemed. Yeah. Oh, there's it, work to be done. Yeah. I mean, like the done. um, the our old friend, the um, the lovely the lovely young lady. <laughs> Then attacks attacks Shoko, uh, you know, uh, for endangering him or whatever. <laughs> oh, is that the? Is that when no, they're later, on the Ferris wheel after, after she tries to kill herself, and she, and that's she when the does, parents get yeah, involved yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's all. It's mm. all a little bit too close to home, like in 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 terms of just how much everyone does actually, uh, particularly the parents, um, behave in their best interests, and being a good person comes second to that. It seems. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. So uh, just I just want to talk also again mm-hmm. on a on a technical level. I, this film blows me away. It's um, mm-hmm. it's really impressive. Um, the character animation, um, you know, you could so so uh, uh, Nakano, uh, the director, came from TV production. Uh, so there are elements of 
that style that she developed on TV, um, which remain, you know, lots of, you know, paced out pillow shots and um, her sort of characteristic uh, erratic mm-hmm. animation timing is 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 sort of there, but um, I I just I just love the stuff like I've never seen in animation before. You know, a confrontation scene filmed on, oh, yeah. on like an iPad, and it's just like direct, it, and it's mm-hmm. like a hidden camera, uh, like scene, and you're just sat there listening to voices and watching these legs like shuffle back and forth, and and like only get a sense of yeah. what's around. It was that was that stuff was like really really impressive really impressive to see such um such subtlety mm. in visual storytelling uh yeah like it's, yeah technically the film is really interesting she's she's got a um uh an eye which seems to similarly to your name actually and uh, Makoto Shinkai She's got an eye which is like a mm-hmm. stylized camera. So you know the edges of the f- of the frame are sort of, um, uh, um, you know, blurred out like you would, and the uh, like like you would on a live action camera. Um, and you know there are lots of like lens effects and depth of field effects, which. Um, are like directly stylizations of how live action cameras mm-hmm. behave um, but she's also got this like brilliant sense of you know really striking composition still uh, where the sort of the artificial nature of animation is is really on her side um, yeah it's I'm I'm really blown away by it, and and as people have just been banging on about it for the last few years, as Ghibli has like wound down, and everyone's like, "Who's going to be the next Miyazaki?" Um, I've not been as impressed with a uh, feature uh, animated film from a Japanese director. Um, who hasn't directed much for? I think her only other movie is Chaos movie. Um, she's oh. she's our Jeff Biscuits uh, bringer. She's, she's the bringer of the. That's why she's like the patron yeah, saint of yeah. our podcast. I know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I just got so excited about Jeff Biscuits you, there. You I were forgot what about... point I was making. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like not really since like probably watching the girl who let through time has like for me at least like a new voice in anime directing like really excited me and like I'm now like definitely on her side and you know watching her closely and I mm-hmm, can't wait to definitely. see what she does next. Um. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all. All I really want to say about the film, other than to say, like, really, 
it is a really ambitious film and um there is there's a lot going on in it and it's it's not an easy watch um but it's a really interesting I also appreciate one. the fact that it, it does not get overly romantic cuz i think that i know obviously there's yeah. there is a a bit of a thread through it or whatever but it never it never really goes there and mm-hmm. that would seem that would seem so forced if they had i think Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think in general she has mm. um, Yamada. That is, has a really good sense of avoiding sentimentality. If if there is, um, you know, that sort of, if you want to call it like cliche anime um, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Um feeling it's it's literally just with things like environment shots and sunsets and things like that there's there, there's very little attempt to sentimentalize <laughs> much in the characters at least and i think that's 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 really for me why the film works it's that these characters are so so well drawn um like both literally and in terms of their personalities being these complex like living people with like real flaws and uh, yeah it's it's, it's funny it's how like on a compu- purely visual sense it's kind of like oh it's picture postcard of the perfect teenage summer or whatever and here's all the here's all the the, the yeah. locations of Japan that you're familiar with. Oh, here's the cat cafe. Here's, is you know all the, yeah, the bridge with the koi. I think it, you know, it's a real river, thing to yeah. have real locations in anime now. I think you know it's a real thing. Like, and you get tourism and stuff, uh, like on locations in your name yes. and stuff. Well, it, in actual fact, like yeah, and <laughs> you matter like that's a Kaon movie as well. <laughs> If you uh, if you watch a Kale if you watch a Kale movie, there are things in it that are so observed that could only have come from um, mm-hmm. a research trip. You know, like the the real uh, the 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 sense of lighting real you get on the biscuits. underground and and <laughs> and real biscuits and like they go to Waitrose and. The way how, and also like she really understood the way how London is composed of really old mm-hmm. buildings and really new ones, and it's just this hodgepodge of of that. Um, and she like she also like perfectly captured the weird sort of overcast yeah. <laughs> feeling that London has all the time. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, she's an exciting one, and actually, like watching a silent voice today, makes me want to go back and and watch like the first um, and possibly the second K-On. The second season of K-On is probably uh, a stronger uh, mm-hmm. a stronger work, I think, from her part. Um. Uh, but yeah, no, I, w- I want to go back and and check out her stuff and. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a late comer to Koyo Annie. 
but I do appreciate the um, quality of that animation definitely so I might have to do some checking out as well yeah so a silent voice we say definitely watch it definitely uh, if and you guys in the States it's coming out soon so from 11 Arts so catch it while you can yeah. I'm I am um, I have to say I am I'm curious slash a bit nervous about the uh, dub uh, the the thing I'm I'm basically mm-hmm. nervous about is uh, the casting of of uh, Shoko. <laughs> I went. Okay, I I would I would very much hope yeah. that they would be sensitive to uh, to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it would be a disaster if if yeah. she wasn't a deaf actor. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. But I'm. I think this is this is a film I'm going to have to definitely pick up on Blu-ray at some point because it's going to be pretty. In, I mean, you know, it was an HD download, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it, it's obviously going to look better on Blu-ray. And it's it's going to look damn good on a yes. big screen. Yeah. So, as you no doubt remember. <laughs> okay, so I think that sums up a silent voice. Uh, thoughts on it obviously if you don't agree there's another review that will give you different opinions um, uh, but let's take a little trip on down to the water cooler uh, have you been watching anything else down or is it all going to be me oh if you, oh, there's one thing I assume you have been watching Rick and Morty season 3 I have been watching Rick and Morty season 3 I'm assuming at some point we'll probably do a, a like a post-season mm-hmm. uh, talk of, but I'm I'm assuming you're in agreement that it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely am. It's um, it, yeah. I I guess like when any show like gets into its like third season, they have a much better idea of what it is and what it isn't um mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like the episodes are for me at least like kind of of a type there's there's a sort of slickness that wasn't in the second and uh, first season mm-hmm. um to like the writing and the how how conceptually things sort of dovetail into one another um Incidentally, I think all of the episodes so far this season have been written by women as well. Um, uh, well, I don't know that all of them are, but I know that Pickle Rick definitely was. I don't think... Sorry, I don't think the premiere was written by... I think the premiere was written by Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it's, it is... The, the, I think the point I want to make with that is um, here, here we go The Rick Shank Redemption was written by Mike McMahon and then episodes 2, 3 and 4 were written by Jane Becker Jessica Gao uh, Sarah Carbiner and Erica Rosby or Rosby sweet um, so it looks like and it's, I'm, I'm not giving them a medal or anything but it looks no, like they but... listened to the uh, quite damning uh, 
response uh, uh, to their to their original or whatever or, or you know misguided uh, opinion on having women in the writers' room. I don't know. If that was them who said that. I think that was um, like an adult swim person really specifically yeah i think it was like it may have been like you know the the commissioner or so, you know someone quite high up at adult swim who who made the comment at something about there not being uh something about i can't remember what, you know it was that whatever that really right. not good thing was right. said yes women not being able to something i can't remember okay <laughs> It, it looks like um, the next few episodes are written by Ryan Ridley, who's a <laughs> uh, who's a Rick and Morty uh, vet. I think the first episode he wrote Isn't was. Um, is that not Mister Poopy Butthole? I think Poopy Butthole is Ryland. Is it? Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ryan Ridley he... does lots of other voices on the show. He did, he did the voice of the PA system in Vindicators <laughs> Three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he. I think the first episode he wrote was um, the one with the dogs in season one. So he's ah. and he and he's also um, where are my testicles, Summer? Yes, he is one of he is one of uh, Royland's like writing buddies. Yeah, they they pitched. Um, so I I I I went on a bit of a, a Royland like uh, rabbit hole this last week, and. Um, I watched a few of his older shorts that he's got on his website still. Alright. Um, and they're great. They're really, really bizarre and funny. Um, uh, but I watched a, a pilot animatic that he and Ryan Ridley made, and a few others, called Dog World. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this? No. So this is... Um, this is a show that they were going to pitch to Adult Swim, uh, or they did pitch to Adult Swim before Rick and Morty. And actually, it was the first place that the Rick and Morty theme tune was used. Turns oh. out the Rick and Morty theme tune is reused. Uh, it was written for Dogworld. It was written for Dogworld. And Dogworld is just like a, one of those typically Royland concepts of me and, me and my... And it's literally like spoken like this. You know, me and my brother were... Me and my brother and sister on a camping trip, and oh no, a wormhole opened, and wouldn't you know, <laughs> we landed in Dogtown, a town <laughs> full of dogs, and we were adopted by the Doggersons. And like, it's about these, the, it's about these three siblings who are adopted by the Doggersons, who <laughs> are in 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 Dog World. The, the, uh, people are dogs, and dogs are people. So, dogs have people as pets, <laughs> and there are these like brain and and the pet and the people behave um, you know as brain dead and dumb yeah. as dogs do in our world in our perception um, but these three siblings are adopted by the Doggersons and they're like you know we're we're amazing talking humans <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just a great little pilot like episode uh, animatic and you watch it on YouTube or on or on RoylandTV.com which is Justin Royland's website but that was really entertaining. I, I enjoyed watching that. Um, and yeah, I've been enjoying this season. How, how have you been enjoying it? Love it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I, it's so good to have it back. And yes. it's just, just 
like the creativity behind it as the the concepts and everything is just oh there's nothing else like it really yeah it's 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 great it's it's great i've i've loved it i laughed a lot mm-hmm. um yeah in in all of them so far actually yeah i just i lo- i love like the like the uh difference from like where the concept starts off and where it ends up like you think oh so the story like w- like going in ahead oh there's an episode where rick turns is a pickle and you just think oh wherever that's going to go and where they take it it's just like <laughs> it's always a really emotionally poignant place as well like mm. so yeah you know like when when there's going to be a dumb sounding high concept yeah. So it's going to go somewhere interesting. Um, apart from that, I I actually did. Um, yeah, it's a bit naughty, and I found some way. I don't know how. I don't know how I managed to do this, but I watched the Ducktales uh, premiere. Um, and it was great. <laughs> it was really good. Um, I really like what they're doing with the. Uh, with the characters, the characters are actually spot on, mm-hmm. um, as you'd expect them to be, and it's uh, really, really good fun. And I can't wait to see the next ones. And hopefully, there will be, you know, a UK release not not long away. This this is the thing that kind of about Disney stuff now is like it used to be. Oh, you'd be sure of like eventually you'd be able to. Oh, just eventually I'll get a box set or whatever but stuff doesn't get released anymore it's like and it doesn't get released on iTunes either yeah yeah it's it's really frankly it's it's bad but you know I there are certain points when like as a consumer you just have to say look guys you gotta get better at this stuff and you know I, I, I think Netflix on Rick and Morty on Netflix is is a positive one, even though they are unfortunately a week <laughs> a week behind for some reason, which they don't do on any other of their simul cast shows. Actually, um, even though they're a week behind, you're a week behind, right? Yeah. So it's okay. You can still watch it, but um, it's almost like they still think that we live in bubbles. Yeah. And Americans don't talk to British people all the time, and vice versa. And you don't talk to Australian people and French people. It, it it's it's bizarre because because discourse online, particularly with something like Game of Thrones, you know, or just you know, just the way TV is now, it's almost as bad um, as it was when you just had to watch something the night it was airing, and that was your only chance. Mm-hmm. Because once Game of Thrones is aired, it's fair game. For spoilers, mm. you know, um, and the same with someone like Rick and Morty, actually, which is, yeah, yeah. So you know, there just comes a point where you have to say, like, when you're still being, when the technology is actually definitely mm. there, and you're still being beat by the pirates, like, you've got to change something. Um, mm. Anyway, anyway, that was that's that's a weird, um, you know, unsavory view I had, but. There it is, and also, um, actually, a very good example of the former, um, really, really, really working. Um, I've been watching a 
bum load of the new Mickey Mouse shorts on YouTube. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you anyone has seen these, but basically, I think the first one was in 2013 or 2012, and um, it was the whole project was um, led up by uh, Disney TV Animation, and they were originally aired on Disney TV Animation, but now they're being um, released on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was headed up by uh, Paul Rudish, who's who's an animator who's who's worked um, on. A, he, I think the first thing he worked on might have been like Two Stupid Dogs. Um, and he, but he's you know he's been working on like Dex Lab and Powerpuff Girls and Symbionic Titan with with um, Craig McCracken and Gendy Tarkovsky and Don Shank and all of those guys. Um, and he was approached by Disney to make these, to redesign Mickey Mouse, basically, and to make these these new shorts. And they are some of the best cartoons I've seen in years. They are absolutely in the spirit of the old... Um, he said particularly he was inspired by the shorts that happened uh, from the tw- during the 20s and the 30s when Mickey Mouse had still a bit of an edge about him and they were just everyone was just excited about animation and they were just trying things out and they were really outlandish weird, funny entertaining, creative ideas that they were playing around with and these shorts absolutely carry on that tradition I mean every single one of them is hilarious like I've, I've been watching them with my friend, and we've been genuinely just like laughing out loud at some of the things that they've been doing. Um, uh, and they are also gorgeously animated and designed. Mm-hmm. It's just some of the best uh, animation, uh, like the really funny poses and drawings. Um, and some of the best, like most beautiful background design, that that's for my money is like happening in animation anywhere today. So I really recommend checking them out. They are all on YouTube. They are all, as far as I'm aware, completely region free and completely legit. It's done by Disney, so and completely legit, uploaded by Disney official, and mm. they're all in gorgeous 1080p. So you can watch them on a big screen TV and they look beautiful. Um, and yeah, it doesn't. And also, the great thing is you can watch as many as you want or as few as you want. Each one is about three and a half minutes. Um, and it doesn't matter where you start because there's no story because they're just good old fashioned shorts. Yeah, um, I'm going to go watch them. I really recommend them. And another really cool thing that they've been doing is they've been setting shorts. Um, in different countries so oh, there's yeah. there's one set in Mumbai, there's one set in Turkey there's one set in Seoul and Korea there's one set in Mexico uh, Hawaii and each of them really have um, a very well researched flavour uh, of the relevant country and they even in fact actually the characters speak the appropriate language unsubtitled oh. Uh, for each country they visit, which That's is super cool. 
which is great, which is great. And, and it doesn't matter that they're subtitled because they're visually told, so you can get them without knowing what they're saying, but it's a great, like, little, you know, that extra little effort of, of, of an authentic flavour about them. But yeah, I really, really recommend those. And um, that's all from me for the watercolour this week. Awesome. I have been watching a few different things. Uh, I I finally caught up with a, a live action movie, but it's got a big animated element and is also a Disney movie, so I can mention it is uh, Peach Dragon, the last year remake uh, by. Oh, it was by. Is it David Lowry? Yes. Who's just had a f- another film come out recently, Ghost Story. Or a ghost which, story. Which he apparently made during post production on Pete's Dragon because it was <laughs> so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like a very big gap between. Because that only came out last year and that was a big major temple release. Um, I I have been quite vocal in my opinions on most of the Disney <laughs> remakes that I've seen and that I've not really been much of a fan of them uh, but I really like Pete's Dragon and I must also say I have fond memories of the original from childhood the 70s I think uh, live action slash yeah. animated movie uh, I haven't seen it in a long time and I I think I've heard it's about three hours long or something crazy um, but I have fond memories and this is obviously a very different uh, take on it but the basically the dragon in it is amazing uh, The it's got real character it's kind it's got a bit of a hey, how to tame the dragon sort of vibe to it but in live action slash CG um, but it's it's great <laughs> you you watched it didn't you last year when it came out I did um, I don't remember it too well I have this thing with films as you, I'm sure you probably know by now where I can definitely remember my reaction and I can definitely remember how I felt watching yeah. it you just but don't remember the plot like, so much. Tell you, yeah, what happened or who said what or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. I think um, I really responded to it because it was clearly a director's movie, mm-hmm. and he was um, clearly given pretty much carte blanche to do whatever he wanted because it didn't have much or hardly anything in common with the original, other than the fact. There is a dragon, dragon in a small town in America. It's called Elliot. And it's called, yeah, and it's called Elliot. And the yeah. kid's called Pete. And that's yep. it. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. Uh, I like the very opening. I was like, oh, why do you have to make everything dark? It doesn't have to everything be dark. Why does he always have to have dead parents, etc.? But mm-hmm. I soon got over that and enjoyed the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to say loads about it. Uh, I haven't got loads to say, but I would recommend it. Um, I have also been uh, watching a few of the English dubbed episodes of Lupin the Third Part 4, which is the recent uh, Italian co-production of the classic um, 
Lupin the Third series, uh, which we discussed when it came out on Crunchyroll, I think. And uh, it's they've produced a dub for showing on uh, Toonami in the US, and it's also available on Funimation now, which is where I've been watching it. They've been uploading dubs of that, and it's um, got the same cast that they had for the dub of the uh, like the 70s, the old 70s show. The dub wasn't done in the 70s. The dub was done like in the early to mid 2000s, but the show was from the 70s. Um, so you got Tony Oliver as as Lupin and uh, Michael Epcar as as Jingen and uh, Michelle Ruff as Fujiko, and basically they are. I think I really like the cast. Um, it's it's pretty old school feel dub, but that just seems fitting somehow. Like uh, there's some dodgy accents and stuff, and it just seems to fit the tone perfectly. <laughs> it's like I I kind of imagine the Japanese version's got dodgy accents in it as well. It's just kind of how Lupin is. That's kind of, yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind yeah, of a parody on those sort yeah. of James Bond gl- uh, globe trotting sort of ideas right yeah yeah and as we've said like when we were talking about it when we first watched it the animation is gorgeous it's like the best Lupin's looked and it's got but it's also it's also kind of it's got this, a bit of the style of the comics that it's based on like the lines and everything it's, it doesn't look like every anime you've ever seen uh I have one one issue with the dub is they seem to have replaced the theme song for some reason. It's a classic theme song. <laughs> well, it's, it was a it was obviously an update of the classic theme song, but it, I seem to remember when it was on Crunchyroll, it had the original theme song. That's weird. They've replaced it with a sort just a sort of genericy jazzy song, and it's like, oh, what have you done with the classic Lupin theme? Not maybe, maybe the classic, you know, generic jazzy thing is really, like, you know, it's like a deep cut from like a Lupin album that you might not be aware of. Yeah, pro- so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just like the original music. It's cool. Yeah, no, it's great. That's that's. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if I didn't hear that. But the the, the intro is still cool, obviously. It's, but I do miss that song. But otherwise, Lupin the Third is always awesome, and they're they're releasing. They're, they're, they've basically got a schedule where they're releasing dubbed episodes every week. So they, I know it was ages ago since it it came out, but they're only releasing them week by week. I think it's like behind when it shows on Toonami, like they did with Attack on Titan season two, which right. is annoying because like if there's a week where Toonami has a week off. It then means that they don't upload the episode to what? to Funimation, and it's like, why? It's not the it's the internet. You don't need to be beholden to television. It's the modern age. Don't get with the program, Grandad. Come on. <laughs> I think I, I I'm pretty sure the problem, like the the, the the you know the 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 borderline legal problems that I was discussing, mm. it's all come down to. Everything has evolved. Technology, the way things are made, but licensing laws mm. and and the lawyers and and that and that side of it. 
annoying. <laughs> oh, and there was one thing I wanted I forgot to mention on a previous water cooler is I've I uh recently started catching up again with uh the series that's on Amazon Prime, uh, American Gods, the uh, Neil Gaiman series. Uh, oh yeah. Which is I should say one of the best looking T V shows ever. Just the from a technical point of view it is stunning. Uh, it's got some of the like the most amazing cinematography like in any sort of fiction series I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but there's actually an animated sequence that I did not know about in one episode until it it came up. Um, no way. Because there's uh, every episode starts with like a vignette. Uh, they called the Coming to America vignette, and it shows shows the story of how one of the gods comes to America. And there was one segment. I think it was like a um, it it was like a sort of uh, Native American type uh, god of some sort. Um, and they used this gorgeous uh, animation style. It, sort of, it looked like stop motion. It might have been CG, but it was like stop motion effect. And mm. like the whole of uh, this intro was done in this beautiful animation style. It was. Oh wow! And I, I think it was like. About uh, about episode five or six, I think. But uh, if you if you uh, are watching that, then look out. There's going to be an amazing animation sequence coming up. Oh, I I, I man, I've really got to check that out <laughs> and and watch all of Game of Thrones and Mad Men and and read Ulysses and <laughs> and to finish the Bible and. Yes. <laughs> One day. One day, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, Ian McShane is a Paul, so mm-hmm. it might not be that far away that I that I'll watch it. And he's he is Ian McShane, and he's awesome. So there you go. And it's a Neil Gaiman story. I mean, I don't think it's perfect. The series, I think. Um, I think maybe it's one of these things that may improve in later sequences later seasons but mm-hmm. it's a it's a decent first season where I am so far anyway and mm-hmm. it is astonishing to look at it is jaw dropping yeah I, I, I did see the pilot um, when I think that was the only thing that they had uploaded mm-hmm. and it was beautiful it was amazing hmm so, and there's an animation sequence, so there you got another reason to watch it. <laughs> there you go. And I think that will about do me for the water cooler. So I think that will about do us for another week. Uh, thank you very Good much job. for joining me, Dan. It was a thanks for having me, Chris. It was a pleasure chatting about a silent voice, and it's a beautiful film. It, and I'm, it was, yeah, and it was, it was, it was cool that you liked it too. And it was a good excuse to watch it basically um, so if you want to keep up with everything we're doing you can find us obviously on animationforadults.com you can follow us on twitter at AFA blog you can find us on facebook on pinterest on google plus and tumblr <laughs> and uh if you would like to help us produce more awesome content in the future, you could consider becoming a patron. A patron. 
on Patreon, or maybe even sending us a tip via uh, buying us a virtual coffee, uh, and all the details of that will be in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook at Mr. Crystal. Where can we find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Hamu. Okay, and we will be back very soon with another AFA podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank mm-hmm. you.